Hello, listeners, and welcome to E5288, where we get real and honest about what E5 spirituality is and what it isn't. Now, we're going to talk about it all, but this will not be your regular run-of-the-mill, bore-you-to-death, talk-about-religion till you blue in the face. But we are going to keep it real. We're going to be talking about some of the challenges we face over here in the diaspora. And we're also going to be talking about my own personal experiences with Ifa and why I started my journey. So grab you a cold beverage. I got my cold H2O over here. Well, it's room temperature. Cool. We ain't drinking no cold. Uh, I, don't, I don't like cold. But anywho, that's not, not your business. My business. But grab you a cold beverage, because as I like to say, cool heads will always prevail. Grab you a notebook and a pen, because you might pick up some nuggets along the way that you can implement in your life. So, kick up your feet, relax, and enjoy Ashe. listeners so before i start we always want to start with thanking eshu um, for allowing us to have open roles and open communication so with that being said eshu i salute you eshu i salute you eshu i salute you all right y'all so i want to jump right into why did i start this journey um, and I'm going to split this up into two parts, um, just because the story is a little long and I don't want to monopolize too much of your time with a long story that's not about E5288, right? Um, but I do want to share my journey with you guys and hopefully it will resonate with some of you, if not all of you, that is my hope. Um, but let's get right on into it. So I started my journey, um, it will be three years in September. Um, I spent about a year and a half of the year um, working by myself, doing a lot of studying, doing a lot of reading, researching, and then for the better half of a year and a half, I have been working with different Babalaos. Um, and I was on this journey. Um, I started out of the sheer fact that I did not have an anchor. And as you guys remember from my first episode, church was not it for me. I was way more miserable in church than out of church. Um, but still I had an emptiness inside that, um, cooking couldn't feel, music couldn't feel, um, doing stuff outside of my house. It, it just, it still left me empty. I didn't have an anchor. Um, and so therefore I was looking for something that would anchor my soul, um, that would give me a reason, um, for my existence to make me feel like I fit somewhere. Um, Because as a young black girl growing up, um, I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like I didn't fit. I didn't fit with my family members. I didn't fit with my friends. 
in places that I worked. I just felt like I didn't fit, right? Um, I felt like I was abnormal because I didn't like certain things, you know? Um, and I wasn't a huge church person. I tried that, that failed. Um, and so I just felt like I had nothing in common with anyone. Um, and, but I knew in my heart and deep down in my soul that there was something much greater at play than what I was being told or what I was seeing. Um, and so if you guys remember, I told you from the first episode, I started reading meditations across the King's river. Um, me and my husband read that book and in that book, he talked about Ifa, um, and how it helped him. And as a mom and not having a large community um, of people around to help one with being um, newly married um, and being a mother, those things are hard. And if you don't have the resources and you don't have the community around you to help you, it can seem isolated. Um, now there's no manual that comes with, you know, being married or having children. It's a learn as you go type of thing anyway, but to have that extra help and that support is vitally important. Um, and a lot of people do well that are in church, um, because their kids have, um, a community, they have resources and, and people to lean on when things get tough and hard. Um, but in my case, I didn't have any of those options because I was a private person to begin with. Um, so if it was outside of my house, you you really wasn't going to know what was going on. Um, I kept I keep everything private. My relationship, my everything that I have is private. Um, and from time to time, I will share um, like I am doing with you guys. I'm sharing my glimpses of my life. Um, but I'm making that choice to during that time though, in my life, I didn't feel like one, I wanted to share with anyone and I didn't trust people enough to share, um, what I was going through or what it was I was needing. So in this chapter of my life, this new chapter that I'm starting, I'm being a little bit more forthright and sharing certain things that I believe will help other people like me or similar to me um, that can relate. This is why I started this journey. This is why I started the podcast. This is why um, I share with certain people um, about Ifa and the the greatness of Ifa um, because it holds you accountable. And it's not like you know, some people, and I'm going to make a reference again back to my episode of what e-file is and what it isn't. Um, in that episode, I talked a lot about, you know, people going to church and depending on mystical um, gods to fix their problems, only to still have said problems. With e-file, you're you're accountable. You do the work. You will be rewarded for your hard work. but you need to do the work. Now they do the things that you can't see that need to be done. 
like fighting on your behalf, which is going to be the second half of my um, show. They, they fight on your behalf. They heal on your behalf. They bring transformation and positive changes and wealth and abundance on your behalf based off the work that you're doing, based off your dedication to your rituals, based off your dedication to your ancestors. Um, So that's why I started this journey, because though it was a lot to learn, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Um, The wealth of knowledge that I garner from reading Ifa, um, the videos, uh, it's all helpful. Um, and I also use other mediums. I don't just use um, books and and all that stuff. I use um, I I have a tarot consultant that I use. Um, I also have a a babalao that I work with um, to help me on this journey. Because once you tap into your spirit guides and your spirit protectors and your spirit mates you're going to realize that all along you've had these entities around you that can see you, that can feel you, and you can see and feel them if you're in tune with what's going on. Um, and so that's why I love this journey. That's why I started this journey because I felt like I needed a place to call home. Like I was just windsurfing, you know, um, and I'm a strong, I'm a pretty strong person. I can do anything. Um, and if I have to do it by myself, I will. But this journey will teach you that even though you do it by yourself, um, you're still going to need people. Um, and that's the fascinating thing about this, this journey is that, you know, you're going to need um people you're going to need orishas you need you're going to need your higher self to understand and garner the information from this journey that you're trying to understand and so when i started my journey um you know like i would say in the beginning i didn't feel like i was lonely i felt like i was learning and i was tapping into something that was hidden from me that i knew a little bit about but it didn't make sense to me on a regular level. But the more I dug into learning about Ifa, learning about the history of um, the spiritual system, and then learning about the Orishas and the proper steps to take, initiation, learning about all of it, I was enthralled. I am still enthralled. However, on this part of my journey, it's very lonely um, because you don't have anyone to talk to because your journey is different than their journey. And yeah, you can bounce some things off, but the information just doesn't resonate as much as you need it to, because you will feel like your situation is just unique to you. But, and it is, it it really is. It is unique to you, but trust me, there is someone out there who understands. Um, I don't like asking for help. I've never been a person to ask for help. And that's something that I'm learning about myself during this process is that I have to be more vocal in asking for help, asking for, you know, understanding, um, because I'm the kind of person that will, I will go spend hours reading and researching until I find the answer that I'm looking for. 
But I've also found that that's very counterproductive because it takes you away from life. It takes you away from what you should be doing, right? And you need to you need to give yourself um, permission to be kind with yourself, um, which is another big thing. Um, and all these things I am still learning um, and still growing with because you never stop learning and you never stop growing. And so that is what I love about this journey. Um, I can't, I can't just turn it on and turn it off, right? Because I don't want the Orishas or my ancestors or my spirit guides to turn it off and turn it on when they want to help me. So I have to be dedicated. I have to be consistent with building that connection. When you start this journey, if you're only in it for, you know, to to gain fame or money or um, recognition, if you're not doing it properly, it won't work. It won't be successful. You will fail. You have to have good intentions when doing this spirituality. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to give up everything in the world and live like a monk. No, you still need to live your life, but you need to do it with good Iwa Pele. And you never stop learning about Iwa Pele. Um, when I started my journey, I started off with um, initially two readings. The first reading I did was with a guy named Alex. Um, and I can't pronounce his last name. Um Onale, sorry, Onale is Alex Onale. Um, and actually Onale means earth in the Yoruba spiritual system. It means earth. That which I was born is where I shall return. Um, so that's what that's what his name was. Alex Onale. Um, he did my first initial reading. Uh, I didn't tell him anything about me. I simply filled out a form. I was looking um because in, in one of the books I have read, it said that you needed to have a divination done um, to know your path and know what was in store for you, long and short of it. So I contacted him. I had Googled him, and I actually was looking for a different botanica, but I ran across his instead um, out of New Jersey, and it was called Original Botanica. Um, and he did my reading, my very first reading ever. He did the reading for me. Um, I gave him my name and I gave him a telephone number to contact me. I paid $100 for the initial divination. Um, and we did it over the phone in the evening time around like 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock in the evening. Now, during this time, my grandmother, my mother's mother, had just passed away. Um, so I was still dealing with that. It was still fresh. Um, I had my reading in September and she had passed literally in June of that same year. Um, and so when she passed, I was still reeling from that and still trying to deal with the hurt from that. And if I didn't have Ifa, I would literally have been lost. Um, Ifa kept me grounded. It let me know that you know, this is a part of life. And the more I read about Ifa and how we pick our destinies and how we pick when we're going to be born and how we pick when we're going to die, we pick all of these things 
when we start this journey, before we come into the world, you know, by the time we're conceived, we still have a glimpse of those destinies that we picked. But once we're born and we're released from my mother's womb, that information goes away. I oh, I liken it to the movie Soul. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie Soul, um, but that's a really good movie, and it reminds me of how we come into the world. Um, you know, we, you know, when we come here, we don't know anything. We're starting. We're starting our journey afresh. We're we're starting from ground zero and we have to put ourselves on the right course to, you know, determine where it is we're supposed to be going and where we're supposed to be headed. Now, remember I said we pick when we're going to be born, we pick when we're going to die. Those two things we cannot change. Um and we'll cover that in another episode, but those two things we cannot change. We cannot change when we're going to be born. We cannot change when we're going to die. We picked those specific dates and those dates are not changeable. Everything else though is changeable. You can change your course. If it's not in alignment with your destiny, you can change it. You can stop whatever it is that's happening to you and change it. And the only way you can do that is with Ifa. You know, and some people will tell you, oh, you need to get initiated right, right now. Uh, okay, but what am I getting initiated into? Can you tell me? Because I don't know. Um, I have had Babalaos that told me, you need to be initiated. You need to do it right now. Well, that's not going to work. So we're just going to hit pause there. Um, but then, you know, you have some Babalaos who will really work with you and give you guidance and give you, you know, understanding and let you know where you need to be at the place that you need to be. Um, and so that's the good thing about this journey. Um, and like I said, the first reading I had was with Alex. And, you know, he told me that my grandmother was with me. He told me, you know, that she didn't want me to be sad. And right when she, right when he said she doesn't want you to be sad. I broke. Like the tears just started flowing. I'm getting choked up now. Um because that was that was an unbearable pain. Like I I've never felt that pain in my life. Um and I've lost plenty of people, but none significant as my grandmother, somebody who raised me, somebody who I laid with, somebody who I took care of, somebody who fed me, like that was a different kind of pain. So when he told me that, my heart just shattered and I couldn't talk for a good five to six minutes to the guy. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself and pull myself together enough to have the conversation. But once I, I pulled myself together and continued on with the reading, you know, he gave me more information and told me, you know, things to watch out for, things to be careful of. Um, he then told me during this reading that Yemaya was my head orisha and that she walked with me and that I needed to um, create an altar for her along with my ancestors um, to venerate her. Um, and I was like, okay, so how do I do that? He was like, you just need 
a figurine of her, a candle, uh, a blue candle or a white candle, or you can use seven little candles, however you choose to do it. You just need to light a candle for her and say prayers to her. Um, and that's it. Um, and so I did that. Um, I set up an altar for, set up an, an ancestral altar um, and we're going to cover all of those things in the other episodes of ancestral veneration and or re um, veneration. Both of those are going to be upcoming episodes. Um, so I won't go into grave detail about either one of those things, but I set up an altar for both entities. Um, and I have as you will hear me say quite often throughout the podcast, ritual. So I set up my own little ritual where I had read, you know, you can't go before your altar dirty. Um, you can't go without washing your face, brushing your teeth. You must be clean at all times. And so I did that every single day before I did anything else. Um, in the morning, I would get up, take a shower, wash my face, brush my teeth, and then I would dress in. Uh, if it was early in the morning, I would dress in my whites. I had bought like some regular white attire to wear when I did the um, ritual in the morning. And so I did that every single day. I would try to be up by like 5 or 6 a.m depending on the day, um, I would get up and make my way upstairs to my altar. I would say my prayers and then, um, sing some songs and be on about my day. Well, this one particular day I was running late for work. I got up late, didn't, um, have time to go up and do my morning ritual. Um, so I made the decision that I was going to take a shower. I was going to get dressed in my regular work attire. And then I was going to come upstairs and do my prayers because I had the time map out of how long it would take me to do my veneration for both my ancestors and for Yamaya. Um, and so I had that down to a science. So I made myself, you know, get ready, come upstairs and then I did my prayers, sang my songs, and then I left and went to work. Now, here's where things got interesting. Because I did my regular routine, right? I um, came upstairs, did my prayers, and then I left and went to work. When I got back home from work, I told my husband, hey, I'm going to go upstairs and check on my candle um, that I left burning. Now, I, I lit seven candles. I lit um, four blues and three whites, and I stuck them in a white porcelain bowl that I had for Yamaya um, with a little bit of water just to extinguish the flames once it got a little bit lower, right? Well, upon coming upstairs to my altar, as I round the corner and I see her altar, it's black. Like, 
I've never seen so much soot and black burnt stuff unless there was a fire. And as I look at her altar, the tablecloth underneath the bowl, black, burned whole, straight through. And this was a regular blue tablecloth, whole burnt, burnt straight through. Bowl, porcelain white, black. There is no sign of white anywhere. It's completely black. Then, to make matters worse, the bowl is stuck to the the table that it's on. So it not only burned through the tablecloth, it burned all the way through to the table. Um, And so I immediately started panicking. I started freaking out. I tried to contact Alex. He did not answer me. And so my only other recourse, um, after I couldn't find anything on Google, I couldn't find anything on YouTube, um, I couldn't find anything anywhere. So I reached out to this gentleman that I had joined a group on Facebook. Um, and he was out of Nigeria, and this was his group. His name was um, Johnson Remy. Very nice guy. Um, and so I contacted him, and I asked him. I sent him my pictures. I said, can you please tell me what's wrong here? I was like, I got a reading from this guy. He told me that um, Yemaya was my head orisha. And I lit a candle. I lit some candles for her before I left and went to work. And this is what I came back to. Right off the bat, he's like, "This is not right." He was like, "How did you do your consultation for your head Orisha?" And I'm like, "Over the phone." He was like, "Well, how do you know that that's your head Orisha?" That's what he told me. That's not accurate. Okay. Well, then what do I do? And then I was like, "Well, what do I do now going forward?" He was like, um, "When you were doing your so he did a small divination for me at no cost. Um, he said, when you, did your, when you did your prayers and you went before your altar, what were you wearing? I said I had on um, brown steel toe boots with black pants, a blue and gray, blue, gray, and orange work shirt with a black long sleeve underneath. I told him that's exactly what I had on. And my hair was wrapped up in a um, black and green and yellow scarf. And he said, absolutely not. He was like, you just broke all kinds of rules. He's like, you never go to your altar dressed in anything other than white. When your head is covered, it needs to be covered in white. And I was like, well, I never, I was like, I never knew that. I only knew what I was told as far as, um, you know, doing the um, veneration, um, but never told that I had to wear a specific color besides what I read. And um, that was it. And he was like, none of this is right. He was like, um, the guy that you went to, was he a Babalawa? And I was like, well, his title says he's a Babalawa. I don't know for sure, but I was like, that's what he says. And he's like, one, that's not a real Babalao because a Babalao would not read your head or Risha over the phone. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, what, what do I do? He was like, you need a divination, a real divination this time, and you need to find somebody that you can trust. He was like, um, you know, be very diligent about picking someone. And that's what I tried to do. I tried to be very diligent and very... Um, tedious with picking someone 
um, because I didn't want to just, you know, go somewhere and they tell me one thing and then it turns out that, that it's something else or they don't tell me what I need to know and then I'm doing things wrong. So I came up here and I talked to my ancestors and let them guide me and lead me and I did my research and then I finally found um, a Babalao out of Chicago. Now, there was a lot of people that I found in Chicago, but what I learned uh, digging into their background, a lot of them were not Babalaos. A lot of them were not real Babalaos. They were using the term Babalao, but they are not real Babalaos. And we'll cover that in the second half of the recording. My second reading that I got was um, from the gentleman in Chicago that I told you guys about in the first podcast. Um, his name was Victor Guzman. Um, and by all accounts, he seemed like a really nice guy. Um, he had a Facebook page with a bunch of videos. He had a YouTube channel with a bunch of videos. Um, he had uh, his website. Um, that listed a storefront. Everything seemed legit to me. Um, everything seemed on the up and up. So I contacted him. I asked him about setting up um, a divination reading and also doing um, a Hedorisha reading. And he told me, he said, yes, we most definitely can. Um, so me and my husband, we went down to Chicago for the weekend. Um, I paid a thousand dollars for the divination and the, um, Orisha head, head Orisha reading. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you guys these prices because these are just baseline prices, um, that will fluctuate. It could be more, it could be less depending on who you're dealing with. Um, this journey is tailored to you. So whatever it is that you're wanting or needing or trying to find, everything that you get during your divination is going to be tailored to you. What you have to pay out of pocket will determine, you know, will be determined by your divination. It will be determined by the person that's doing your reading because they have set prices. Um, and so in spirituality, you pay for what you get. If you don't want to pay for good services, then, you know, you're not going to get a good return. But if you're paying for your services, the spirit is going to reward you accordingly. When you take from the universe, um, you have to give back to the universe. So, you know, when you're taking and spending money and, and your time and you're not acknowledging the forces, you're not acknowledging Oshun for sweet waters. You're not acknowledging Ogun for the technology that we use or the cars that we drive or Eshu for open roads and elevated communication or Ya for the marketplace. If you're taking all these things and you're not paying it back, then they're not going to pay you back. You won't be rewarded with anything. Um, that was just a little side note. However, back to what I was saying. So Victor did my reading. Um, and I won't tell you who my head Orisha is. That is going to be covered in, I'll probably do that in my Ori. Um, actually, no, I won't. I will not do that in the Ori 
episode. I will save that for its own episode. Um, but he told me who my head Orisha was. Um, he told me during that time that um, he, when he did the reading, he grabbed his stomach, then he hit it really hard and he blew out. Then he grabbed his ears and he made a noise with his ears and he made a noise when he touched his head. So me, I'm sitting there all kinds of confused because um, it's all new to me. And so I feel like, you know, we're in this lower room. Uh, and it feels like it, it feels like a movie to me almost because we're in like this residential house, but we're in the basement of this house. And it's just it's like a scene out of um, one of those typical Hollywood movies that you would watch that has anything to do with um, spirituality as it relates to colored people. Right. So that's how I felt. But the atmosphere was very warm. It was very welcoming. I didn't feel out of place. I just didn't know what was happening and I didn't know what to expect. But when he hit his stomach, like he pounded on his stomach really hard. And I was like, oh, my God, he's hurting himself. Um, And then he hit his head. And I'm like, OK, Jesus, what are we doing? Like, why do you keep hitting yourself? Like, why are you hitting yourself so hard? And um. Cause if it don't hurt you, it's hurting me. It's hurting me just looking at you. And, um, after he was done saying his prayer, he told me, he says, if I says you need to give up dairy and you need to give up pork, these are killing you. That's why he hit his stomach. He was like, it's killing you. It's taking your life force away from you. So you need to give it up. And I was like, Oh my God. Okay. And then he, uh, pointed to his head. He said, do you have bad headaches? And I was like, yes. I was like, and you know, he asked me questions and, and I told him answers. I told him, I said, I have high blood pressure that I've had since 20, um, since 2000. And he said, it's killing you. He said, your, your, your brain is, is going to explode if you don't get it down. And I was, I was dumbfounded. I just sat there like, huh? Oh, what did you say? And he's like, you need to you need to rectify the situation and you need to do it fast. He said, does your ears bleed or is there an issue with your ears? And I said, yes, my ears have been bleeding for the last half a year. They've been bleeding. And he said, you need to get the blood pressure down. You need to give up dairy. You need to give up pork. And he was like, if you don't do those things, you're not going to last long here. Now, that's about all I will share from my divination because the rest of it was personal but that I can share because it pertained to the ailments that I had that I'm going to share with you guys um and so you know when he told me those things I immediately went back to the car I told my husband I was like yeah so I found out who my head Arisha was and that was really good I was like but bad thing is, or the not so good thing, not bad thing, the not so good thing is that I have to give up dairy and I have to give up pork. Now, I don't eat a lot of pork to begin with. I don't eat a lot of fried foods. I don't eat a lot of beef. Um, I just don't consume a lot of those things because I can't. Um, but I told him, I was like, I have to give these things up. Now, now dairy, on the other hand, that was hard for me because I'm a baker and I'm a cooker. And the way I cook and the way I bake, I had to retrain myself because it wasn't going to work if I went against the taboos 
which when you get an Odoo reading, they're going to tell you if the Odoo is good or bad. What you also need to ask them is what are the taboos of my Odoo? Because the taboos are things that you can't do or you shouldn't do pertaining to this Odoo. And if you do these said things, that's going to undo your ebo or your sacrifice that you're going to make um, if you're required to make one. If you do these odus, you're just undoing the work that Ifa and the Orishas and your spirit guides are trying to do because you're breaking the rules, right? So mine was no dairy and no um, pork. And I had to get my blood pressure down and I had to do it fast. Um, the Odu that I had was Ofun Ogbe. That is O-F-U-N and then O-G-B-E. Ofun Ogbe. That was my very first divination that I got um, during a reading. Um, Alex didn't tell me if I had an Odu. He just told me the information and the messages from the ancestors. Um, but again, I was unknowledgeable about asking about the Odus and all of these things. And I was in the process of learning it when I went to Victor. Um, and so when he told me the taboos, I went home, I wrote them down, and I did my best to try to stick to um, not using those things. Now, it was a little bit hard, and I did falter a little bit, but I was kind to myself. Remember I said on this journey, always be kind to yourself because you're going to get in those situations where you're going to do something incorrectly, and then you're going to feel like your world is ending. It's not. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the road. You can always do over. As long as you know what to do next time, it's a learning lesson. And that's what we're all here to do, learn. Um, and no one knows more than the next person. No one is better than the next person on this journey. Your journey is your journey. Um, your journey does not relate to me or anyone else. It is unique and special to you. The same way you were born into this world, you are unique and the circumstances that surround you on your path is strictly for you. Um, so be kind to yourself. And that's what I had to be to do to myself. I had to be kind to myself because I started to spiral, right? Um, cause I was, I had made, um, I had made banana pudding. And if you guys ever made banana pudding, you know that you use whole milk in your banana pudding. Otherwise it just will not taste good. So I made banana pudding and I ate the whole bowl, every last bit of it. It didn't last 24 hours. Um, and I was just like, I should have did that. And it made me sick, like instantaneously. It made me sick. I felt like I was on death's doorstep. And so at that time I was like, and this is why they said I had to give up dairy because I literally felt like I was dying. So then I got to the point where, you know, um, I had contacted Victor um, because I wanted to know more about working with my head Orisha. Um, I had taken down the altar for Yamaya, um, and I have replaced it. So I replaced the Yamaya altar with 
my head orisha altar once it was done through confirmation um and so when i contacted victor because i needed some help and some understanding um because again like i said i was doing this all by myself i i didn't have a guide i didn't have a, anything to help me um it was just me researching on the internet and then trying to talk to him to kind of get a balance for where I needed to be. So when I reached out to him and asked him, you know, what should I do um, or how should I set up the altar for this Orisha in particular? And he literally, the only words he told me was, you just need to be grateful and happy that you are working with this Orisha. And that was it. I had asked for guidance on setting up the altar. And the only thing that I got was you should be glad and happy about working with this Orisha. And I was like, well, that is just not helpful. And so right then and there, that's when I was done talking to him because one, I had waited for a whole week for a response. And then two, when I did get a response, it wasn't even remotely close to helpful, right? And so, um, again, I went back to the drawing book. I went back to um, YouTube, and I had found this lady that I follow to this day. Her name is Illimi, um, and she's from Yeyeo Botanica. Um, and her YouTube channel is Yeyeo Botanica. Um, she is phenomenal. Her information that she um, shares um, is amazing. I've used countless of her videos. Um, I set up my altars pretty much based off what I read and what I seen her do. Um, I've made some changes and some tweaks here and there um, on this journey. But for the most part, that's where I started. Um, and so uh, once I did that, once I set my altars up properly, I continued my ritual. This time, though, I made sure I was always in white, always clean. Um, and I always made sure that when I went up to my altar, it was before daybreak. Because there is a significance to saying your prayers before sunrise. Right? And I'll just ended with this when we say our prayers um there is when you read when you read your books for ifa um and and some of my listeners who know about ifa and have read about ifa you know exactly what i'm talking about when i say olodumare says when you say your prayers in the morning by the evening time i will answer your prayers um and so there's a, a there is a verse in one of the prayers for Orumula that says, whenever the sun rises, it will rise for the whole world. There's nothing that can overpower the rising of the sun. So all my blessings, wherever they may be, I command them to come and stay with me. And. All right, guys, so let's jump into our takeaways. The major takeaways for this episode is going to be kind to yourself. 
know that you're always doing your best. Your journey is your journey. Your journey is not like anyone else's. And no matter what anyone says, you know, people will come out of the woodworks and tell you, oh, well, you're doing this wrong or, oh, you shouldn't do this or, well, I was told this by my Bible out. Okay, that's great. That's what your Bible out told you. It has nothing to do with me. Now, there are books and there are resources that will tell you the proper way to do things. But again, we're going to cover those in later chapters because there is many different facets of Ifa, um, and everybody practices it differently, right? Um, you know, there is a big misconception of the um, veneration days for the Orishas. You know, some people only put the males on the calendars. Some people put the male and the females on the calendar. Some people only put the five main Orishas on the calendar. Again, this journey is all self-governed. We have books and we have references to go back to um, as a starting point. But for the most part, this is your journey. And as you tap in with spirit, spirit will lead you. Um, but you have to be open to those around you. Um, a lot of the things and a lot of the times I encounter people who don't like listening to your advice because they think that they have it figured out. Um, and that's all fine and dandy. My opinion is just one opinion in, in a multitude of many. Um, there are many different perspectives, but you should never, ever, ever turn off your ears to the information because you never know when spirit has a message for you. So as you're starting this journey, you understand and realize that you're not going to know everything right out the gate. It's going to take years to learn and even with me being three years in I am still learning information um some things I know die hard for sure but there is things and there's always situations that that information is going to change it's not going to apply that's why there's many different perspectives in this spiritual system and we all have to adhere to that and respect that because unlike Christianity this isn't a well if you don't do this you're going to get struck down or God does not is not pleased with this the Orisha will tell you themselves um, when they are not pleased with something when you start finding that you have calamity in your life um, nothing is going right and that means that you're out of alignment somewhere you're out of alignment with something and so you have to always tap in. That's why um, uh, ritual is so important. Ritual is key um, because it helps you set that consistency. When you're starting out, you should not have any days off, initiated or uninitiated. If you're practicing the Yoruba Ifa spirituality system, you should never have a day off. You should always be constantly working with your Rishas, working with your ancestors, working with your spirit guides, trying to garner that connection because they are the ones that are going to set your feet on the path on which you are supposed to be going. So if you're not 
focusing on building that connection and having a genuine connection with them, not just when you need something or when something is really bad or you're struggling or you need money, that should not be the only time that you go to your ancestors and ask them for guidance or for help. Every single day, you should be asking for guidance, for help, for understanding, for them to guide you, for them to give you your their shoulders to stand on because we are standing on their shoulders and their backs because they already set the road for us. Now we have to pick up the ball and carry it. Well, not carry it because then you're, you're just traveling. And we're not LeBron. Um, I love LeBron, but we're not LeBron. We're not going to pick the ball up and just travel. You have to dribble that ball and continuously move your ball. That means continuously move yourself from one level to the next. It's much like peeling an onion. You're taking off all those outer layers to get to the inside, to the good stuff of the onion. And that's what you're doing with yourself. You're removing all of your layers, your old layers, so that you can tap into your inner higher goddess or God like nature. So that is the takeaway from this episode. Don't let anyone tell you that um, it has to be done a certain way. Now, yes, you do have some fundamental things that you have to follow, like getting a divination. You need a divination in order to determine what path you're walking to make sure you're on the right path. And then even when you do a divination, you need to make sure that you're picking a quality person. You need to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row. And this is information that I didn't have when I started. I read some things, I Googled some things, but for the most part, I had to do trial and error. error. None of which I regret. I'm gonna cover the rest of my trial and error in the second episode, but none of it I regret. It taught me valuable lessons. And, um, you know, some people may be upset with the amount of money that they spend on this journey. But if you give to spirit, spirit is going to give back to you tenfold. So the money that you're putting out and that you're putting into the universe, the universe is going to reward you back with those things. You just have to be consistent. You have to continue to build that connection. A lot of times I see a lot of people doing things because they see other people doing or because it's a fad right now. And that's not what this is. This is a real thing. And when you're doing this spirituality, it should be a real thing for you. You should want to tap into your God or goddess-like nature and live in one piece with the universe because we're all interconnected. Everything around us is interconnected. Um, And so I would definitely say you guys need to just tap in every single day. Build that connection with your ancestors. Build that connection with the Orishas because they're all around you. They're always with you. They're always there. You may not think that they're there, but they're always there. You know, they are poor, they are part of nature. They are part of us. They are a part of everything that we do. We wouldn't have some of the pleasantries in life that we have right now if it weren't for them. These things did not just get here through osmosis. A lot of these things are man-made, but the Orishas made these things happen. So when we pay them back for their services 
and we're giving them what they're asking for because they don't ask for a lot from us. You know, we as humans get greedy. We want what we want right now. And we think that we can change those outcomes by rushing the process. And spirit and the Orishas move at their own pace. They move when they're ready to move. We can't do anything to change that. So be patient on this journey and build your strong connections consistently talk to your ancestors that's going to be the best thing that you can do on this journey is talk to your ancestors tap into your ancestors talk to your ori tap into your ori the orishas are only part of the journey you can't neglect the other two major parts that start this journey which is your ori and your ancestors your ancestors are going to set the stage for your initiation Because if you can't call on several generations of ancestors, if you can't stand on their backs, you can't be initiated. No matter what anyone says, they can tell you to hurry up and be initiated. But until you can actually call several generations of ancestors and you have that strong connection, initiation should not be your first thing. Now, again, like I said, everybody's journey is different. I am partially initiated. I am partially initiated because I needed to save my life. So I received the hand of Ifa along with becoming an Apatabi, which is a part of my journey. That's not a part of everyone's journey. Everyone is not going to receive the hand of Ifa. Everyone's not going to be an Apatabi. It's like everyone's not going to be a Babalao. Your lane is your lane. So get in it, stay in it, and don't let no one take you out of it. Anywho, I hope that this was helpful. Um, I could go on and on for days about takeaways and um, what this journey is for and what it's not for. But I digress. I'm going to stop right there. I will see you guys in the next podcast. Until then, thank you, Eshoo.